الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم أغنني بالعلم وزيني بالحلم وأكرمني بالتقوى وجملني بالعافية أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected honor my ikram, brothers and elders and mothers and sisters listening at home. First and foremost, it's very important that we refresh our intention before any action. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has gathered us in His house. It's very important that we refresh the intention for which we have gathered. Our only object, our purpose is that we will discuss something about deen, remind one another, because Allah Ta'ala says, وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ الذِّكْرَا تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That remind, for verily a reminder is very beneficial for the believers. So the person speaking is reminding himself, and we are reminding one another of what we have been given in deen, and so that this reminder may become a means of us translating this into amal and take us closer to Allah Ta'ala. In the various ahadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there are many, many du'as that are narrated which Nabi Sallallahu made on various occasions. Numerous du'as. And the life of Rasulullah was filled with dua. And today, inshallah, we will discuss one dua that Nabi made. The dua of Nabi was on the one hand dua, but the dua was also ta'lim. And the first lesson that we get out of this is that a mu'min. His life also should be filled with dua in emulating the example of Nabi Sallallahu One is the duas that we understand as the day-to-day Muslim duas that are recited on various occasions. And that too in the life of Nabi Sallallahu you'll find from beginning, from the morning, from the time the eyes open till the last point in going to bed. Dua at every juncture. The eyes have opened and there's dua. Alhamdulillah. Starts off with the shukr of Allah Ta'ala. Alhamdulillah illadhi ahyana ba'dama amatana wa ilayhin nushur. All praise due to Allah Ta'ala. Who gave us life after death. Can we imagine a person who starts off his day on shukr? And he is reminding himself that I was like dead. When I went to sleep, and no mu'ukhtul maut. Sleep is the sister of death. When a person is sleeping, like a dead person, he can't hear what's happening around him. He can't see who's walking past. He can't sense anything. And some people sleep in such a way, if somebody picks them up also, they won't know. 
When a person is sleeping, he's like almost dead. So he's reminding himself, I was like almost gone. Allah Ta'ala gave me life again. But a day will come when I will go from this world, I'll wake up in the akhirat. When I will go from this world, my eyes will open in the cover. So I got to prepare for that. So he's barely opened his eyes at the beginning of the day and he's reminding himself of that, that day and that moment when his eyes won't open again in this world. And today, how am I going to pass my day? I rather watch and be careful because to Allah Ta'ala we are going to be resurrected again. And that day of Qiyamah will come when a person will have to give an account of his deeds. So he's opened his eyes and he's reminding himself of the day of Qiyamah also. He's reminding himself of the accountability in front of Allah Ta'ala. So these du'as, and if a person takes one du'a of the, the masnoon du'as, one du'a a month. Whereas, these are all small, short du'as, if a person just merely looks at it and recites it on the relevant occasion, after several days without any effort, he would already be reciting it from memory. But this du'a is not just du'a, it is the direct link that is being developed with Allah Ta'ala. His constant ta'alluq with Allah Ta'ala is being strengthened. Because all the time, he's now just opened his eyes, there's a dua he's reciting. Then it's human nature, a person wakes up, the first thing he wants to go and relieve himself, before he enters the toilet, there's a dua. When he leaves the toilet, there's a dua. When the person starts eating food, there's a dua. He's leaving the house now, he's going to come to the masjid for fajr salah, there's a dua. Before he enters the masjid, there's a dua. After he leaves the masjid, when he's leaving the masjid, there is a dua. Before eating, after eating, at every juncture. Subhanallah, the life of Nabi Islam, his whole day, filled with this form of zikr, we're constantly remembering Allah Ta'ala in the manner of these masnoon duas. The children in the maktabs, in the madrasas, are taught these masnoon duas. Many a times, when it comes for the time of exams in the maktabs, and the examiner asks the child, okay, recite the dua, after eating maybe or maybe before going to the toilet so the child says give me a start so after he gets a start and then after that he carries on but what's that, what does that mean and what does it say when the child is saying give me a start it means that at home he hasn't yet started reading it the parents didn't start him at home he learned it in madrasa the ustad made him read it and learn it and revise it but he hadn't started so now after that particular dua was passed and then the next dua came so that was the end of it now the exam time came, so he says, give me a start, because he hasn't started reading at home yet. Whereas this is the responsibility of the parents to develop these things in the children as they are growing up. This is what they are being taught in the madrasa for. So these du'as, one is the du'a in this form. All the masnoon du'as as we call it. And then there's that du'a which Nabi Wasallam took the time and gave it dedicated time. And you'll find hours on end spent in dua. Begging Allah ta'ala. Many a times we find if we count in a day, the minutes, maybe the hours, the hours we spend complaining about our difficulties to first one person and then the next person and then the third person, if we add all the time that we spent in complaining about our difficulties, it will add up sometime to hours in one day. Because if we just count sometimes on one telephone conversation, then after that call is over, it's 15-20 minutes already. 
And in that 15-20 minutes, we were talking about this problem and that difficulty and that hardship and whatever else. So hours went up. One went by. But how many minutes went in presenting our difficulty in front of Rabbul Alameen, who is the one who can remove those difficulties? So we complained about it to everybody, but we didn't present it to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, you are the one who can remove all these difficulties from me. Ya Allah, you remove it. So dua, rather than spending the time in talking to all, and yes, if somebody, if the matter is related to him, if a person has some pain, he's going to go to the doctor, you see, no, I'm not going to talk anything. The doctor is not going to be able to treat him. He's obviously going to have to tell the doctor what is his problem. Somebody has come to visit him, he's a sick person, so he will mention in brief, I have this difficult, the person has come all the way. But, just merely as information now, the person has asked him, but innama ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah. His grief, his worries, his pain, his difficulties, he'll place in front of Allah Ta'ala. So dua, Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam dua, at every occasion dua. And if you look at our whole system of ibadat as well, our salah ends up in dua. In the salah itself, after the durud, tahiyat and durud, there's dua, musnun dua. A person goes for, uh, the month of Ramadan comes, such a great ibadat, fasting. As-sawmuli wa ana ajzibih. Allah Ta'ala says, Nabi Sallallahu is relating from Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says, fasting is for me alone. And I myself am the reward. Allah Ta'ala will become his. So this entire day the person spent fasting. Now comes the end point of that fast. What is his immediate cash reward? That the person who has fasted, his dua is accepted. He's been given the encouragement, engage this last moments in dua. This is your prize. There's it now, your dua is going to be answered. A person goes for hajj. What is the main part of that hajj? There are various things, but the climax of it all is in Arafat. And what ibadat is in Arafat that is necessary? Being present in Arafat is required. If a person was unconscious also in Arafat, his hajj will get made. So how does a person spend that day now? Allah's Nabi Sallallahu the ulama explained, they calculate that approximately five hours continuously were spent in dua. So this is a lesson that we have been given. And if you look into the books of hadith, the number of duas and the manner in which Nabi Sallallahu asked and begged from Allah Ta'ala, and indeed these du'as themselves are mu'jizat. Only a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala can ask in this manner. But Allah Ta'ala has made du'a so simple. One is that for the barakat of the du'as of the Qur'an Sharif, some du'as from the Qur'an Sharif a person decides, some du'as from the sunnat and from the ahadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then the person asks in whatever language he is comfortable in, what he understands best, but beg from Allah Ta'ala. And develop this habit of begging from Allah Ta'ala. And then see how Allah Ta'ala opens the way out of every difficulty for the person. So we have to learn from this aspect of dua that we have to keep turning to Allah Ta'ala. And dua is such a wonderful thing, such a simple thing also, that one is the time a person has that he should be dedicating to dua. And many a times we just spend, for example, the person has come into the masjid, now he's performed his sunnats, it is time for maybe a few minutes left still for the jamaat salah to start. That is a time, a dua bain al adhanain. Dua between the azan and iqama is accepted. 
Now many a times during those moments, Alhamdulillah, the person is sitting in the masjid, so he's getting sawab, he's made niyat of atikaf, he's getting sawab of atikaf as well. But that time can be spent in dua. Raise our hands at that time at least. And beg from Allah Ta'ala. One is that routine dua, the person doesn't even know what he asked and what he said. As one person, he is making his dua, Allahumma inni asaluka kalban khashi'a. Now he's not even concentrating, or he's not even aware, maybe he didn't learn Arabic tajweed. So the dua is, Allahumma inni asaluka kalban khashi'a. Oh Allah, grant me a heart that has your fear. But now he's just, in his sing-song manner, he's saying, kalban khashi'a. Kalban means dog. So now it translates as, Ya Allah, give me a frightened dog. So if he asked for a dog that could do something also would be some benefit to him. Frightened dog, he's going to have to look after it. If his dua got answered. So at that time, pick up our hands, make dua to Allah Ta'ala, beg of him. And inshallah, we'll see how dua will become the means of us getting our problem solved, our difficulties removed. So this is one very important lesson of dua. So as we were saying, one is that dedicated time. But over and above that, person can be making dua, talking to Allah Ta'ala from his heart all the time. He's going to work. Normally a person is going to work, so maybe he'll listen to the news. He's listening to the whole world, but that sometimes doesn't help him in one but one iota, forgetting the akhirat even in this dunya. But at that time, if he spent his time in, that, in the heart, from the heart, talking to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, make my day easy for me. Make my rizq easy for me. Grant barakat and uh, afiyat in grant barakat in my rizq, and let it come with afiyat. Ya Allah, make whatever deals I do make it profitable. Now he's going to do his work. He's going for his business. He's going for his job, but he's made that also deen, and he's built his taluk with Allah Taala in going to work. So in any case, this is something that we should be developing this aspect of du'a, spending time in du'a. And for a start, at least we dedicate five minutes a day. Three minutes a day for a start. Where in particular a person divorces himself of every other thought, every other thing in his mind. And thus he attaches his heart to Allah wa ta'ala and begs from Allah ta'ala. Begs for himself, for his family, for his relatives, for his community, and for the entire ummah of Rasulullah So in any case, coming to this dua that we recited at the beginning, Allah's Nabi used to make this dua Allahumma aghnini bil ilm wa zayyinni bil hilm wa akrimni bil taqwa wa jammilni bil afiyah As we mentioned earlier that the duas of Nabi are dua and it is ta'aleem everything is giving us a whole ocean of knowledge and an ocean of knowledge the very first thing that is asked for in this dua is Allahumma aghnini bil ilm. One meaning of aghnini comes from ghina. Ya Allah, make me wealthy with knowledge. But which knowledge is this? Nowadays, many a person gets confused about what is this knowledge that is spoken about in the Quran and Sunnah. So the knowledge that is spoken about and what is being asked for is that knowledge. Innama yakhshallaha min ibadihil ulama. That that knowledge which creates the fear of Allah Ta'ala brings a person closer to Allah Ta'ala. That which doesn't bring a person closer to Allah Ta'ala is not called knowledge in the terminology of Shariat and Deen. It is a skill, no problem. A person needs to earn a living, so he acquired a skill. Somebody has acquired the skill of medicine. Somebody has acquired the skill of engineering. 
somebody has acquired the skill of accounting maybe, somebody has a skill of carpentry, somebody some other skill, by all means, within the limits of Shariat, it's no problem with it. But that's a skill, and a person can use that skill also to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. If he does it within the limits of Shariat and Deen, he does it in a way that will help mankind, he does it in a way for the intention and the purpose of being of service to the humanity, then that too will become a means of sawab for him. But knowledge is that which brings a person closer to Allah Ta'ala. And Nabi Islam is teaching us to make this dua, Ya Allah make me wealthy with knowledge. Because without knowledge of deen, then a person is totally without wealth. Now what is this knowledge? Many a times we take it for granted that, well, knowledge is there. But sometimes we'll be surprised how far we are from the reality of knowledge. Or how far our children may be from the reality of knowledge. Just to give one example, once in one maktab, madrasa, two children, 10, 11 years old, were quarreling over something. So one child called the other a baboon. So now children, so one child called the other child a baboon. So the other child very, very calmly and coolly said, so what's the problem? All of us are from baboons. So the ustad overheard this, he called him, that what's the story, what's happening, what you're talking about? So the fellow says, well, he called me a baboon. So I told him, what's the problem? All of us are from baboons. He said, where you got this from? You know, the teacher in school told us. Now he is growing up with this in his heart and mind, which is in direct contradiction to many, many ayat of the Quran Sharif. The knowledge of our creation. Allah Ta'ala speaks about it in so many ayats of the Quran Sharif. وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ طِينَ ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُطْفَةً فِي قَرَارٍ مَكِينَ وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ سَلْصَالٍ مِنْ حَمَئٍ مَسْنُونَ And so many other ayats, the creation of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, and how insan was created, the first human being. Now comes the fallacy of Darwin. And this child is growing up with it as fact. And if he carries on with that in his heart, then he is rejecting so many ayats of the Quran Sharif. Uh, he'll perform namaz also. He might go for hajj. He'll fast every year in the month of Ramadan. But if he's got that as aqidah and belief, then none of this is accepted. Then everything is zero. Because a person who makes inkar and rejects one aspect of deen, rejects one fundamental, this takes a person out of the fold of Islam. One ayat the person rejects, iman is gone. Knowledge of the fundamentals, knowledge of our aqaid, knowledge of our taharat. In one place, it was a Juma talk, when Alim was giving some, discussing something, and in passing, just in passing, which is normally not the case that in a Juma talk that any masail are discussed. So this just came in passing. That what are the farais, the fundamentals, the farz and compulsory actions of ghusl? So many a person thinks that ghusl is three farz, hot water, soap and towel. <laughs> so this person maybe didn't think it in that manner, but when it was explained that there are three farz in ghusl, that the person has to gargle the mouth thoroughly, and then water must be put into the nostrils right up to the end of the fleshy parts. 
and then the whole body from head to toe must be drenched. Not one hair's breath must get left dry. So in passing he mentioned this and carried on. Finished off, went away home. Later that evening he gets a call from somebody. That person didn't want to identify himself also, out of embarrassment. He said, please tell me what am I supposed to do now for the past? What do you mean what you're supposed to do? He says, well I'm about 40, 45, whatever his age was. I'm married, I have so many children and I'm living so long in carrying on with day-to-day -day life. But I didn't know these were the three furs of ghusl. Whenever I took ghusl, I don't remember ever putting water in my nostrils. Now he's a married man. So ghusl became compulsory on him how many times in his life. And he didn't even know the faraiz of ghusl. So he probably was making ghusl and coming straight for salah. But there's no taharat. So where there's salah. So knowledge of even the fundamentals of deen, of our aqaid, of our taharat, of our salah. For this we have to take the time, we have to come, maybe sometimes we don't have too much time, we take few minutes a day. Come to the ulama ikram, alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed us in our community, we have ulama ikram here. Take some time, take a few minutes, take a few, maybe 10 minutes a week. That, just teach me what is the, let's, my ghusl is, I'm performing it correctly, my wuzu I'm performing it correctly, how am I performing salah, please teach me the fundamentals again, the sunnats of salah, and other various things. And together with that, knowledge of about how we go through our day-to-day -day lives. One is our ibadat, etc., our amal. Then a person daily is earning his living. Is he earning his living in a correct way? Many a times a person, and all this many a times happens just in passing person is talking about something and then while talking he says well I just I was busy I just went to do the deal uh, and I bought this and in the process he talks about how he bought it or he sold this and how he sold it or how he did the deal and he's just talking about it casually and then he's explained to him by you realize what you are saying he said what do you mean what I'm saying he says what you have done is a 100% interest based transaction you thought it was fine and kosher, but the way you structured it and the way it's going about, you're going about it, it's 100% interest. He says, but I didn't think about it, I never knew about it. So it's a name of profit, but the reality is interest. And what is going in the belly is interest. What we're feeding our children then is interest. And then the child starts behaving in a certain way, many a times he says, what, what is going in the stomach? The Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, Ya Ayyuhar Rusul, Allah is addressing the Anbiya the messengers. So where do we stand? What is our category then? Oh messengers, eat wholesome and pure things and do righteous actions. The Mufassirin explained there's a direct link between the two. Eating what is halal and pure and righteous actions. There was one muhaddith, one great alim in Deoban, so, Mufti Shafiza writes about it and he says that there was one very, very simple, poor person living in Deoban and he used to sell grass, bundles of grass, go out in the jungle, cut the grass, bundle it up and people used to use this grass for fire, whatever they needed to use. So basically a person would come with a whole bundle of grass and he'd sell it for two cents and three cents, whatever, in those days. So this was his job. So he used to earn a very meager amount. That's all. He used to sell a few bundles 
and that's it. Then if that he is sufficient for his day, and the next day he's involved in whatever work of deen, etc., the next day he'll go and find a few more bundles and sell it. But from all these bundles of grass that he would sell and the money he would earn, he would save up a meager amount daily. Meager amount, small amount, like few cents. And after the whole year has passed, it would have amounted to a small sum, few cents a day, how much is it going to amount to? A small sum. With that small sum that he saved up the whole year, he would invite all the ustads of Darulum Dioban for one meal, basic meal, no five star and ten star and five course and ten course meal. Obviously some very, very simple and basic meal, because this is what he has saved up, that's much he can afford. But the great muhaddis of the time, perhaps it was Muhaddad Ma'azhar Miyah, he says, I wait for this dawat the whole year. This simple dawat, I wait for it the whole year, after eating this person's simple food, I feel the noor of that one month in my heart. So, Ya ayyuhar rusulukulu minat tayyibati wa'amadu saliha. That halal earning, and earning it in the correct way, and making sure it's 100% pure, then that will go in our bellies. It'll go in the bellies of our children, our families. And then inshallah, we'll find the urge for good. We'll find the inclination towards amal. The inclination towards righteousness. So knowledge, Allahumma aghnini bil ilm. Then knowledge in so many other things. Knowledge of what is the fazail and the virtues of amal. When a person knows what is the fazail and the virtues of business, nobody has to give him any encouragement. He is propelled from something within propels him. But because we are not aware of what Allah Ta'ala is going to reward a person for the various amal, so a person doesn't find that enthusiasm. For this is the talim of the fazail, talim at home of the fazail, kitabs, which will build that enthusiasm, that shock, that zeal, that I should be reciting Quran Sharif also. For every letter, ten rewards, and that too is then multiplied unlimited to the extent of a person's sincerity. So one surah of few lines, Alhamdulillah, a person will decide so many thousand rewards he'll get. Now there's some enthusiasm that is built up. And in general, the fazail of so many things, many a times a person can't bring himself to do certain things simply because he doesn't know what is involved in it. And if a person has that knowledge, which we could to come to the ulama ikram and acquire, then he will be propelled to do the right thing. Just to take one example, one Hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Ala ukhbirukum. Ala ukhbirukum. Should I not tell you? Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is also creating the thirst, that urge. And he's addressing the Sahaba who were all ears. Ala ukhbirukum. Bi afdala min darajati salati was siyami was sadaqa. Should I not tell you what has a greater rank and reward than all the nafil salah that a person can perform? Now we all know the virtues of tahajjud, for example. Subhanallah, what a great ibadat. And if a person can't have the himmat and the courage to stand up in the late part of the night, even before his witr, after his two sunnat, make the niyat of qiyamul layl and perform two rakahs nafil, inshallah you'll get the sawab of tahajjud. That is the biryani, this is dal chawal, but the dal chawal also will fill a person's stomach, inshallah. So, that too inshallah we can start off with. But in any case now, tahajjud salah, what a great ibadat. 
Imagine a person for 80 years of his life, 90 years of his life, every day he makes tahajjud. Can we imagine the person's rank? Person is not missing his one ishraq. One ishraq the person performs, he gets a sawab of one accepted hajj and umrah. Subhanallah. The person is not missing awabin. He performs awabin salah, 12 years of nafil ibadat reward. And all the other nafil ibadat, what can a person earn with it? And here Nabi Salaam is saying, should I tell you what is better? All the nafil salah a person can perform, something more than that. Not only that, was siyam. Every nafil fast that a person can keep, the whole year he fasts besides the forbidden days. Subhanallah, what can, who can, how many of us can imagine doing it also? Every day of the year, this is handful of people do these kind of things. Nabi Salaam is saying more than that too. And not only that, was sadaqah. More than all the charity and sadaqah that a person can give. Now if everybody in Hawik gets together also, how much can they give? One billion? Maybe, wallahu alam. But one billion too is little. Maybe the whole world gets together, how much they'll give? Maybe 50 billion? 100 billion? Allah knows best. Nabi Islam is saying more than that. Now can we imagine what is being spoken about? More than all the salah a person can perform, nafil salah. More, that, it doesn't mean a person shouldn't do these actions. He should try to excel in it. But Allah's Nabi Islam is now giving us a virtue of something. What a great thing this will be. More than all the nafil salah, more than all the fasting, more than all the billions that a person can give in sadaqah and charity. So the sahaba were all ears, bala ya Rasulullah, please do tell us. Now, if that much is only said to us, and we are told, okay, now what do you think could, it could, could be? You say it probably is, you're going to have to maybe sit in the mountains for the whole year and maybe live on one drop of water or something and spend your whole day and night in ibadat and maybe then you'll probably get this. Better than all the nafil, all the fast, all the salah and fast and all the charity, this must be something that human beings can't do, only farishtas can do maybe. Allah's Nabi Islam says, yes, I will tell you something. Islahu dhatil bain. To make peace between two people. To make peace between two people. Better than all the nafil, salah, fasting and sadaqah that a person can give. Now a person knows this, he has the knowledge of it. Now sometimes there's some issue. One is, he'll make peace between himself and others. And he will not be the one who will create any kind of difficulty between people. Sometimes it happens that a person, something has happened between two people, whatever has happened. Now, instead of being the one to join ties, the one to unite, the person says something which divides. Now somebody, there was some problem. This is insan, human beings, we live in the dunya. Dunya is dunya. So sometimes there's some ups and downs. Now, somebody comes, he says, well, this is what happened. So, at that time, a person has the knowledge of this, that he will say, don't worry about it. It's a small thing. Just forgive it for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. And inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will reward you with something better. He will say something or the other to unite. And if he doesn't know what he'll get in this, he'll say, well, I told you a long time. That time I told you, watch out. You didn't want to listen. Now you tasted it for yourself. You want to go back. This time you got a slap. Next time you'll get a kick. He will say something that will divide. 
Whereas Nabi Islam is giving us this fazilat. Now knowledge will bring this reality. That a person knows what he's going to get. But knowledge alone won't do it. He has to build that jazba also. That imani quwwat as well. But in any case, this is knowledge of deen. And this is how valuable it is. This is where it will take us to Allah Ta'ala. So, there's much more in this regard. But nevertheless, the crux of it is that we should be building this thirst for the knowledge of deen, that knowledge which will take us closer to Allah wa Ta'ala, establish the ta'aleem in our homes, by means of which we will get encouraged, our families will get encouraged. This will bring the zeal to perform a'mal, and together with that, the knowledge of how to go about with our day-to-day life, and all the various things, this will take us closer to Allah Ta'ala. So the first thing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made dua, and he's teaching us to make this dua. And in this dua, he's teaching us to do what is supposed to be done, to acquire this knowledge. Allahumma aghnini bil-ilm. Then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, and makes dua, وَزَيِّنِّي bil-hilm. Oh Allah, adorn me. Adornment. An adornment is something everybody understands. There was a time where adornment was something maybe that was regarded as exclusive to women. But now people say that there are beauty parlors for men also. Allah knows best. Adornment, people spend hours in front of the mirror adorning themselves. The cosmetic industry is probably the biggest industry in the world. To adorn, adorn oneself. Adorn what? To adorn the external self and try to make oneself look what one isn't. To try to make oneself look what one isn't. This is unfortunately how our life goes. We try to, we do things to ourselves to make ourselves look what, what isn't our reality. We buy things also for, as somebody said, people, and generally we do these kind of things. We buy things which we don't need. We buy things which we don't need. With money that we don't have. Many a time a person is borrowing to buy it. Borrowing Allah forbid sometimes on interest also. Or he's buying things meaning doing things so. Maybe he's having that lavish function, that wedding in style, that everybody must talk about it for years to come. But he's doing it with money he doesn't have also. Whereas the best wedding is, The best wedding and the one where the greatest barakat is, is where is the least expenses. So number one, the person is buying or doing things that he doesn't need. And with money that he doesn't have. And to impress people he doesn't like. If he's got a problem with somebody, I'll show him. He thinks he can drive this car, I can drive better. He can have this in his house, I can have better. So we buy things we don't need, with money we don't have, merely to impress people we don't like. So likewise, the adornment, just to make ourselves look what we are not. So in any case, this is how the adornment carries on. But how long is that adornment going to help somebody? One day, all this adornment is going to be sand in the dust, in the grave. All this adornment will be food for the ants in the grave. The thing to adorn is the inside. The external adornment is sometimes very, very just momentary. It is fleeting. Can we imagine that a khair, just to, we'll come to the example just now, let us take the next step and then we'll get to this example. So Allah's Nabi Islam is making dua for adornment. Wazayinni, Allah adorn me, but with what? Wazayinni bil hilm. Ya Allah adorn me with hilm, with tolerance. That this is an adornment. And what is tolerance? What is hilm? 
it is one of the great aspects of akhlaq. Akhlaq is the true adornment. The jewels of akhlaq. Imagine a person got married to somebody, maybe she's the most beautiful woman on earth, and then she came with all the adornments that money can buy. She came with the best adornments that money can buy. She's bedecked in all the jewelry that person can't even dream about. So now that he got married, so now he's got married to the most beautiful woman on earth, and she's come with all the wealth on the, in the world also. So then his life must be pure happiness now. Because he was hankering after this, so his life should now be pure happiness. But now the first day they barely meet, and she is very, very abrupt and rude to him. Already he gets a shock now, what's going on here? And by the next day, if this carries on, and now she's using some vulgar languages on him too, barely 24 hours have gone in the marriage, and she's even saying all kinds of things to him, abusing him verbally in whichever way. What happens in a day or two days? He will now have nafrat and hatred to even look at her. To look at her will be a torture on him. Whereas that beauty hasn't gone anywhere. Those jewelries and all those adornments is not gone anywhere, still there. That wealth is still there. And maybe turn it around the other way also. Somebody got married to some boy who is maybe the smartest person in town, drives the most fancy car around, and has got all the wealth in the world. But he walks into that house the day he got married, and now he is conducting himself without any kind of etiquette, any kind of character. He's talking in a totally rude manner. What happens? That poor girl is already phoning her father, please come pick me up. So what happened? All that external adornments are right there. Nothing is gone. But because the inside was not adorned, all these external adornments lost its value in one moment. That beauty became a source of pain. In that one moment when the inside came out, when the inside was exposed, then all the outside lost its glitter and glam and everything was gone. The thing to adorn is inside. And if a person has got nothing on the outside, forget wealth and jewelry and other things, the person doesn't even have much physical beauty. But if there's beauty inside, then that will outshine everything. And in time, the person will say, I can do anything, but I can't part with this wife of mine. Or this husband of mine, I won't sacrifice anything for him. Or rather, I'll sacrifice everything of the world for him. No matter what it is, he might not be the smartest looking person around, or whatever the case is, but he's got something inside. So Nabi Islam is teaching us this lesson, وَزَيِّنِّي بِالْحِلْمِ Allah adorn me with hilm. And a person is comfortable in a place that is adorned. If the house is not painted, a person can still live in it. Many souls in the world, many people who can't afford more, they live in that kind of house. People are spending their whole lives and leaving the world, living in shacks also. So life can pass still. But a person who can afford it, and he paints it, it looks better. In a drawn place, he feels a little bit more comfortable. And Shariat hasn't forbidden a person from doing something that will make him more comfortable, provided he's earned it in a halal way, he's not going over the limits. Deen hasn't prohibited somebody from that. Allah has made it halal. But within the limits and boundaries, 
So a person likes to be in an adorned place. A person feels comfortable in an adorned place. And within the four walls of that home, the adornment of that is akhlaq. And therefore Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, Zayinni bil hilm. Because more than anywhere else, that hilm and tolerance will be required. Where a person interacts most, and with those who he interacts most. And that is within the four walls of the home. And then in society in general, and with anyone and everyone, if a person has helm and tolerance, then he will be adorning life for himself and adorning life for others around him. And if tolerance is missing, then he will be living in pain himself and he'll make life very painful for those around him. So adornment, adornment is akhlaq. We have to learn about the jewels, about the diamonds of sabr, about the rubies of tolerance, about the gold of shukr and gratitude. Many a times there is no gratitude, forget gratitude to Allah Ta'ala, even gratitude to those who are our near and dear ones. Many a times we get these kind of emails and these kind of uh, Correspondence coming, etc. And in there, there's various complaints. And one of the complaints is, my husband never ever compliments me about everything or ever expresses any gratitude to anything I do. It's like not part of his life. It's like this is just taken for granted. It must happen. Whereas that is a place of gratitude. This akhlaq. Hazrat Dr. Abdul Haysab, one of the great it was his habit that whenever he was invited somewhere then he would after the meal was over he would then call for the woman folk behind the parda and then he would give some nasihat, some advice and he would then even thank because after all the hard work the woman folk do in preparing that meal so he would thank them also they would be behind the parda and he would say some words of gratitude so one occasion it happened the same and uh, he expressed his gratitude. Jazakallah, I really enjoyed the meal. He barely said all this and suddenly he can hear behind the parda somebody is crying and then it's becoming even more intense. So he got concerned. He told the person of the house, please check what's the problem. In any case, the person went after a while, everything quietened down. So then Hazrat inquired, what is the problem? Something happened? So then that lady from behind the parda said, Hazrat, I'm married for 25 years or 30 years, whatever. Not one day my husband complimented my food or said anything about it. Today it took somebody from outside to come and compliment my food. Whereas to say those few words of compliment brings happiness to somebody's heart. And in the hadith, Nabi Islam says that أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ بَعْدَ الْفَرَائِدِ إِدْخَالُ السُّرُورِ فِي قَلْبِ الْمُؤْمِنِ that among the most beloved of actions in the sight of Allah Ta'ala, after the obligatory aspects, after the compulsory things, is the aspect of bringing happiness to the heart of a believer. To bring happiness to somebody's heart by just saying some few words. What it cost us to say some few words? And who deserves this more than those who are under our roof? Those who do so much for us, our own parents. The husband, the wife, our own children sometimes. So in any case, akhlaq, the gold and silver of akhlaq, the diamonds and rubies and sapphire of akhlaq, 
And this is why akhlaq is such a fundamental thing and such a great thing that in the hadith, Nabi Islam says that ma min shay'in asqalu fi mizan al-abd al-mu'mini yawm al-qiyama min khuluqin hasan. Can we imagine what is being said? There is nothing. The sahaba are being spoken to first. So they understand what this, these mean, things mean. It doesn't mean that a person now says from today, I'm only going to do this one thing, no more salah. From tomorrow, Imam Sahib, Fajr time, don't look for me. Oh, no more, I'm going to do anything else in deen. I got one thing now, this is gone, it's done for me. It means after the faraiz, that ma min shay'in athqalu fi mizanil abdil mu'mini yawm al-qiyamah. Nothing is weightier and heavier in the scales of good deeds of a person on the day of qiyamah. Min khuluqin hasan. Then good character, good akhlaq. And good akhlaq includes this tolerance that Nabi Islam is teaching us about. Allahumma aghnini bil ilm wa zayyinni bil hilm. Wallah, adorn me with hilm. Just to understand what is hilm all about from one or two examples. Hazrat Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi generally we all follow his fiqh. And subhanallah, what benefit he has passed on to the ummah. But these people didn't become these great personalities just like that. It wasn't just that they had a lot of knowledge only in terms of academic knowledge. They were people, they were insan. And they were people with adornment. One person is, starts walking alongside him. And he starts abusing him. Using all kinds of languages and saying all kinds of things to him. Very abusive things. Imam Sahib is listening and walking along quietly. They eventually come to a point where Imam Hanifa Rahmatullah he had to turn, for example, right to go to his house and this person now will go left because his house came over here. So he stops and he says to him that, look, perhaps you still have some other things to say. I go to now turn this way. So I'm waiting for you. When you finish, then I'll carry on. One person comes to him while he's in a gathering. He's sitting in a gathering among his people, among his students. And the person comes and he slaps him. Can we imagine, can we picture the scene that he comes and slaps him in the middle of a gathering. Imam Hanifa then addresses the person. Now he indicates to everybody just remain calm and then he talks to the person and he says to him that look you slapped me. If I slap you back to the extent that you slapped me, I'm entitled to it. An eye for an eye. So to the extent that you hurt me, I can hurt you. But I won't do that. If I want and I ask my friends here to take revenge on my behalf to the extent that you hurt me, I'm entitled to that. But I won't ask them to do it also. If I want, I can go to the Qazi and I can lay a complaint. And the Qazi will take retribution on my behalf. So I'm entitled to do that. You hurt me, I can go and lay this complaint. But I won't do that also. If I want, you have hurt me. So if I make a baddua, I curse you, then I'm entitled to that. But I won't do that also. If I want, I can leave it for the day of Qiyamat. And on the day of Qiyamat, whoever was wronged in this world, they will be paid back on the day of Qiyamat from the person who was responsible for hurting them in whichever way. Somebody took somebody's things, somebody usurped somebody's property, somebody did somebody down, whatever it was, somebody hurt somebody's feelings, made ghibat of somebody. So all will be paid back on the day of Qiyamat. 
and they will be paid back with the good deeds of that person. The person who wronged them, they will take his good deeds. So that good deeds now will become the currency. So now, if I want, I can leave it for the day of Qiyamah. But I won't do that also. Instead, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala send me to Jannat. And if Allah Ta'ala gives me the permission to intercede on anybody's behalf, I'll intercede on your behalf and take you to Jannat with me. This is tolerance. This is the adornment. This is now millions of people over the ages are taking benefit from the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa. Because these people had the adornment of inside. So this is that adornment that Nabi Islam is teaching us. The adornment of akhlaq. And akhlaq is the weightiest thing on the day of Qiyamah. And akhlaq, as we mentioned, maybe I shouldn't be mentioning too many of these things because I was told that the receivers are on at home. But in any case, this is all deen is necessary and this is a two-way thing. Everybody has to play their role in life. On the one hand, Nabi Islam addressed the woman and emphasized upon them the obedience of the husband. And what is the rank of the husband? And what is the position of that woman who fulfills, performs a salah, fast in the month of Ramadan, and she is obedient to her husband, then she may enter from whichever eight of the eight doors of Jannah she wishes. In other words, she has fulfilled the commands of Allah Ta'ala, and she has fulfilled her duties to her husband, then she may enter through whichever door of Jannah she wants. But while the woman has been given these aspects, what has the husband been told? That akmalul mu'minina imanan, ahsanuhum khuluqa. That the person with the most perfect iman, the one with the most perfect iman, in other words, iman, all these things will build the iman. person has to have his salah in that iman, he has to have his zakat in that iman, his fasting, his hajj, he has to stay away from sin. But what is going to perfect it? What is going to polish it? What is going to shine it? And what is going to give it the extra value? Akmalul mu'minina imanan ahsanuhum khuluqa. The one with the most per- best, the one with the best akhlaq and character. Now one is that a person wants to know what is his blood sugar level. He wants to get his three-month average. So the three-month average, he'll send it to the lab, and then he'll get a result after some days. So that might take some time also, but that is a general result. So how does a person conduct himself generally in society? That will give him his general results. How does he deal with people in society? How does he deal with his customers? How does he deal with his employees? How does he deal with his fellow workers? How does he deal with his neighbors? And general in people in society. So that is his three-month test, for example. But sometimes a person wants an inter- instant result. So then he's got his glucometer at home. So now he takes that blood sample and he gets a result in one, maybe ten seconds. So Nabi Islam is saying there's a glucometer at home also to test akhlaq. That the person who will be, the worst person with the most perfect akhlaq is the one who has the best character. And then in the same hadith, Nabi Islam says, وَخِيَارُكُمْ خِيَارُكُمْ لِنِسَائِهِمْ The best among you is the one who is best to his wife. That is his glucometer. To know what is the result of akhlaq. Perhaps the sugar levels might have already risen at home after they hear about this. But the thing is that this, these are the sweet teachings of deen. These are the very, very sweet teachings that make life so sweet. Everybody is playing their role and fulfilling what their side of it is. Unfortunately, we have taken wholesale the Western way of life 
And the Western way of life is where everybody's focus is on demanding rights. The husband is demanding his rights. The wife is demanding her rights. Parents demand their rights. Children demand their rights. And as a result, there's no home left. There's only houses. And whereas deen has given everybody their rights, but it has taught everybody to worry about their responsibilities. When the Ansar, Nabi Salaam said to them that, Satal qawni ba'di atharatan. After I'm gone, maybe you'll find sometimes somebody will put you back and give others preference. So what you must do then? Maybe you must start toy-toying outside and carry some placards and protest. Nabi Salaam said, Fasbiru. If your rights are trampled, make sour. I'll fulfill it for you on the day of Qiyamah. In a way that you can't imagine. And you make sure you fulfill other people's rights. You worry about your responsibilities. If everybody worries about their duties and their responsibilities, there won't be anybody left to ask for their rights to be fulfilled. So Allah's Nabi Islam gave us this prescription of akhlaq. So, aghnini, Allahum aghnini bil ilm. Oh Allah, adorn me with hilm, with tolerance. Allah, grant me honor by means of taqwa. This is honor. Honor comes from nothing else. The most honorable in the sight of Allah Ta'ala is the one with the greatest piety and taqwa. person's color, his nationality, a person's position in society, how wealthy or poor he is, what his... Uh, Degrees are, and all the other things don't count in the sight of Allah Ta'ala in terms of honor. The person who has greater taqwa, that person is more honorable in the sight of Allah Ta'ala. And this is the core aspect that will make life. If it is a marriage, that marriage also can't function smoothly without taqwa. Therefore in the nikah, when the khutbah is recited at the time of nikah, there are three ayats that are recited which are sunnads. And all the three ayats speak about taqwa. That marriage also can't function smoothly without taqwa. The person's life can't, no facet of life can be successful without taqwa in his life. And the crux of taqwa is giving up sin. Many a times a person is very conscious about ibadat, meaning positive ibadat. Performing his salah, fasting in the month of Ramadan, the person maybe makes a lot of tilawat with the Quran Sharif, person goes for hajj, goes for umrah, does many other righteous things, person is very charitable, all these things are alhamdulillah, excellent. Allah Ta'ala gives tawfiq for even more. But many a times we perform our salah and then the person is looking at haram. As a result, all the nur of that salah is lost. It's like a person, he puts an air conditioner on. It's a very hot day, but he leaves all the windows open. The air conditioner is doing his work, but nothing, the room is not going to cool down at all. So all the cool air is going straight out of the window. So we don't close the window of our eyes to sin. And this has become one of the greatest musibats of the time. Many a person complains about it, that I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing so many things, but I'm still finding within myself a void. I'm still zero inside. I don't find anything happening inside. Because everything is being offloaded outside. Because everything has come into the hand now. And those kind of guna and sin, where a person previously had to travel maybe distances, had to spend great amount of money and had to take many other difficulties, then he'd be able to make, uh, commit that guna. Now that guna is at the press of a button. And a person just carries on like nothing is happening, life is carrying on, everything is fine. 
Whereas this is destroying everything. It's destroying a person's heart. It's destroying his deen. Destroying his iman. It's destroying marriages. It's breaking up homes. And this is not isolated things. This is the tragedy of the whole thing. Every other day these kind of things are coming up. The haram chatting that carries on. And whatever else is carrying on. Addiction to all the kind of filth that people are looking at. On the internet. On their phones. This has become a major fitna of the time. So... Taqwa is a thing that will be required. Taqwa requires that this is also the person stays away from guna and sin. Otherwise all this ibadat will all be lost. And Allah forbid, when a person gets caught up in some guna and doesn't make tawbah and carries on, we should fear that that doesn't become the way a person leaves the world. Recently I heard about one incident. The person didn't tell anybody where he's going. He just went away, disappeared somewhere because whatever he's purpose was, so eventually when he went missing, they started looking for him, no, no news, his phone is not answering, after some day or two they finally found him when they found him in some place his body was already decomposing and he was still in that same posture, and whatever haram he was looking at was still playing so his life left in that, ma- in that manner and his body was already de- decomposing still in that same posture so life is very uncertain. And kama tahyauna tamutun. How a person lives is how he dies. So we have to fear Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala all the time. Death comes, it comes without any warning. Comes without any warning. Ay qaza le chali chale, na apni khushi aaye, na apni khushi chale. When that appointed moment comes, it says, come on now, you didn't come with your choice, you're not going to go with your choice, that give me one second, give me one minute, I got this to sort out, I want to make some toba. Time has come, you got to move. And how this taqwa will come? In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu taqullah, wa kunu ma'as sadiqeen, that all you who believe, fear Allah Ta'ala, the prescription for that is, be with the righteous, with the truthful, with those who have the fear of Allah Ta'ala. Be in the right company, go out in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Be in the right environment. Spend time in the environment of the masjid. Spend time in the deeny environments, in the programs of deen. This will build up the inner capacity to now build up that courage to give up sin. So taqwa is the thing that we need in every facet of our life. So Nabi Islam is making this dua, wa akrimni bi taqwa. And the last thing Nabi Islam asked for is, wa jammilni bil afiyah. Oh Allah, beautify me with afiyat. Afiyat means that a person is safe from all kinds of difficulty, all kinds of hardship. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says, Sallallahu alayhi Keep asking Allah Ta'ala for afiyat. Afiyat in everything. Person has got afiyat, he's got everything. One buzrug said, Ya Allah, just make it such that I, I just get my tube. Now in India, they normally talk about it in this manner. Do roti bil jaye, aur kaam chalta rahe. And I can then just remember you the whole day and night. So he made this dua, Ya Allah, do roti mil jaye, or kaam chalta rahe, I can just dedicate myself to you. So in any case, sometime, suddenly something happened, somebody laid a false claim against him, a false charge against him. And as a result of that false claim and charge, he got arrested. And he ended up in prison. So now he turned to Allah, Ya Allah, what is this? That a false charge against me, and now I'm in this prison? So it was inspired in his heart, 
said, don't you know now you're getting your two bread, two roti free for charge? No effort made now. Every day you're getting your two roti. You didn't ask for it with afiyat. You just said, I'm going to get my two roti. You're getting it now. So you should have asked for it with afiyat. So in any case, then he asked for it with afiyat. Suddenly, everything got cleared and he got released. So to ask afiyat, afiyat in everything. Again, it comes back to that initial lesson of dua. That we ask for things from anyone and everyone. And Allah forbid, we try to solve our problem by asking for haram. We knock on the bank manager's door. That I need to fill this gap up. Please give me some of that which Allah Ta'ala has waged war So we don't ask Allah Ta'ala for afiyat. We don't raise our hands to Allah Ta'ala. Nabi Salaam is teaching us, beg Allah Ta'ala for afiyat. When Allah Ta'ala blesses somebody with afiyat, then what does he have to worry about? Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of bringing all these lessons in our lives. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of bringing this ilm, acquiring this ilm, and having and acquiring this hilm and tolerance. Allah Ta'ala bless us with taqwa and with afiyat as well. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخف لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا تبفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم أغننا بالعلم وزينا بالحلم وأكرمنا بالتقوى وجملنا بالعافية ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد إله العالمين والله most merciful Allah most gracious Allah most kind Allah most loving Allah إله العالمين يا الله we are your most sinful servants يا الله يا الله we are acknowledging all our faults and sins يا الله إله العالمين يا الله we are not capable of hiding anything from you, Ya Allah. What can we hide from you, Ya Allah? You know where our eyes are looking, Ya Allah. You know what our hearts are concealing, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, you know what is going through our hearts and minds, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, we are nevertheless, Ya Allah, begging your forgiveness, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, forgive all our major and minor sins, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, you make us your pious servants, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make us your true lovers, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, remove the love of the world from our hearts, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill our hearts with the love of Deen, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of the effort of Deen, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, fill the hatred of sin in our hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make us hate sin like how we hate filth, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the fitna of the internet, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the fitna of the phones, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from all the other fitnas, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, unite the hearts of the Ummah, Ya Allah. 
ইলাহুলাম <laughs> stages in the akhirat ya allah make their complete maghfirat ya allah ilahul alamin at the time of over that take us with the kalima la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah ya allah take us on iman kamil ya allah ya allah take us on tawbatan nasuh ya allah ya allah take us at the time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah grant us the shafaat of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya allah grant us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning ya allah ya allah you save us from the hisab and kitab of the akhirat ya allah ya allah we cannot give any account for anything ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah Ya Allah all those who have asked us to make dua for them ya Allah grant them the best of dunya and the best of akhirat ya Allah ilahul alamin all those who are sick give them complete shifa and afiyat ya Allah ilahul alamin ya Allah all the good that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam begged for ya Allah we also begging for all that good ya Allah whatever nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam sought refuge from ya Allah we also begging refuge from it ya Allah allahumma inna nas'aluka min khairi ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri ma sta'adaka minhu nabiyyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو اهل ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين